following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. This series is about you. This series that we're doing is about your story. And we started this series last week talking about God's story, literally His story. His story is history. He established history for us. We looked last week at in the beginning, God, that God was there before all of us were there before. He spoke everything into creation, including you and I. He's the one, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who gives us life. And we looked at God's story. And what we concluded last week is, is it's our job to find our place in God's story, to find our place in God's story. And that's really where it begins. But I want us to look at our stories today because your story, whether you've come to terms with the details of your story or maybe there's parts of your story you would like to ignore, uh, I want to encourage you today that God wants to use your story a lot more than you know. And it's important for you and I to come to terms with our story. Uh, And like every story, there is a a past, a present, and a future. In In a story, there's the beginning of the story and then there's the middle of the story, and and things are changing, and then there's the end of the story, and today I want to focus on the beginning of your story, where your story starts, specifically through the lens of God and His design, and what God wants to do with your your story. So again, each of us has one, um, and yours has a beginning like all stories, and if I were to ask you um, what you remember about the very beginning of your story, the very beginning, as early as you could go back, uh, we might all be in different places. You know, they've said that some people don't remember much before, you know, five years old or seven or 10 years old, and some people do and some people don't, but uh, I don't know what the earliest things you remember about your beginnings. Uh, Maybe it was a certain Christmas when you were a little kid, five years old, or getting a bike at seven years old, or I don't know what you remember going back, but if I were to ask you about your beginning, you would be able to tell me so much. Uh, You wouldn't be able to tell me the earliest of days, but you would be able to tell me from the points you remember. There's the little moments of time where you had these memories for some reason, uh, these impressions that were uh, imprinted in your mind and your heart. You would recall a couple few of these things uh, along the way with your story. So there'd be a couple of dots along the way, and there'd be big gaps between those dots, but you wouldn't be able to tell me the earliest part of your story. Now, if I were to ask your parents, or you were to ask your parents about the beginning part of your story, they would be able to fill you in with a whole lot more than you were able to fill in. In fact, they would tell you things like, when you were born, you used to do this, and you always did this, stuff that you have no idea, that you don't recall, you have no recollection of the things that you did, and maybe behaviors, and mannerisms, and funny things. You have no idea, but your parents have a really good idea, they would tell you as well. So asking you about your beginning, you'd get one snapshot. Asking your parents about it, you would get a fuller snapshot. But listen, if we went to God and asked God, you would get even a much, much fuller snapshot. Because God knew you before your parents knew you. God had you intended before you took your first breath. God formed you with intentionality in your mother's womb. God had plans and dreams and 
and, and, and a future for you before your parents had any idea that there was going to be a you. And this is why we need to look at this. And I want to start this morning, if we could, in Psalm 139. Uh, if you have your Bible or on your device, um, we're going to look at this because this is where your story begins. And uh, we have this for the screen up here, but uh, Psalm 139 uh, is, is a passage about your creation and mine. And if we're going to ask God uh, where we come from or what were our beginnings so we can understand our place in his story so we can understand the bigger picture when it comes to our story and how God wants to use our story in a much more intentional way than we often comes to terms with. Uh, it starts like this, Psalm 139. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. And it says this. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is amazing. This is God giving us an insight, giving us a revelation, giving us a picture of our earliest of earliest days, his heart for us, his intention for us, his design for us, before you and I can recall anything about our story, before our parents could recall anything about our story, God says, let me fill you in on the earliest of days. And what he's essentially saying here is I was very intentional with you. Everyone say intentional. God was very intentional. He was saying, I love you, and I made you with great detail. Great detail went into you, uh, and I put great attention into your design, very specifically, when I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I saw your unformed body before shape even started to take place. I was there. Um, before you took your first breath, he's saying, I already had amazing plans, and these plans were the Bible says ordained. Everyone say ordained. That means God's already got them written. God says, I know what's best. You haven't even breathed yet. Your parents don't even know you're coming yet. And God's saying, I have ordained plans for you. This is profound, listen, because this is where your story begins. Your story begins, God is saying, your unformed body, when I was knitting you together, I already had these ordained plans established before anybody even knew you were coming. They had no idea you were coming. God's like, I was already at work and I've got a master plan for you. And I think that's absolutely amazing because a lot of us go through life and we don't think that, we don't come to terms with that. And we go through life trying to figure out what do we do next and what are we supposed to do? And we kind of disconnect from the heart of God and you and I can't fully know our story unless we try to recall it, go back in our life and maybe ask our parents, but even better yet, go back and ask God. Where does my story begin? What was I made for? What did you design me for? What's the fullness of this great uh, ordained plans you have for me, God? And this is important because if you and I are going to find our place in God's story is what it's all about, we got to look at the origins. We got to look at the beginnings. Last week we said, in the beginning, God. And in, in your beginning, God. And we need to come to terms with that. Um, and this, guys, this is a truth that we all share. This truth that God in the beginning wove us together and ordained plans for his people. This is in the Bible from the earliest beginnings. It's a truth that every one of us in this room shares. No matter what your background, we all 
share this. It started with God. So if you're a note taker today, I want to encourage you to write down these five just key points to help you and I better understand our stories, specifically our beginnings, because God wants to use your story in a lot greater way than you've probably come to terms with. The first point is this, uh, my beginning started in love by God's design. My beginning started in love by God's design. Uh, it's important to know that because I've talked to people over time and uh, you know, everyone's got a different story and some say, well, I wasn't even wanted or maybe my parents are going to abort me and all these things and I was in an accident and all these things. Whoa, 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 time out. I don't know who told you that, but that's not what God's telling you. Amen? That's not what God's telling you. God's saying, I saw you on form body. I knitted you together. I had ordained plans for you. We got to go with God's truth on your origins and God's design in the beginning of your story and mine. In the beginning, God started in love, um, and you're, you're made by God's design. And you know the proof of that? The proof of that is that God gave you and I a unique fingerprint. Every one of us in this room has a unique fingerprint. There's over 6 billion people on the planet, and there's so many that came before, and there's so many that will come after. And you know what's amazing? God gave you a unique fingerprint, and that is his proof that you are, in fact, wonderfully and fearfully made. It's his proof. If you want proof, look at that finger and look no further. If you want proof. And you know why he did that? God did that so the whole world will know God made you one of a kind. The whole world will know that God made you one of a kind. Every governing agency is aware of the fact that everyone has a unique fingerprint. Uh, entities, law enforcement, everyone knows DMV. They know that you have a unique fingerprint. The question is, do we know we have a unique fingerprint? The world knows it in general, but do you know that you were wonderfully and fearfully made? Do you know that God gave you a unique fingerprint? because he was so intentional about you being wonderfully and fearfully made with ordained plans. His proof is stamped onto you forever. You don't have to look any further than your own fingerprint to say, wow, God, I am one of a kind. I am one of a kind. Would you say that with me? I am one, a little bit louder. I am. You are one of a kind. Don't forget that. That's God's story. That's where your story begins. And if you don't look at the beginning of your story being one of a kind, you're going to meander along and go, what's the purpose? What am I doing? I don't know. I'll just go day by day. And, and you're going to forget. You're going to disconnect your whole story. You've got to look at your origins. You were wonderfully and fearfully made by God's design with ordains. Your fingerprint, your proof is proof to the world, but it needs to be proof to me and you too. Well, you need to be able to look down and go, wow, God, okay, six billion people. I'm the only one, I'm the only one like this. That was distinction. God put distinction in you. Um, so that part of our story we share in common, and all of us have that part of our story in common, the uniqueness, the wonderfully and fearfully made with days ordained for us. But the next part of our beginnings, the next part as we go down the sequence of, of our beginnings and what we remember or what could we can ask our parents or what we recall or what maybe we've forgotten or maybe some things we want to forget uh, the next part, things start to take on a different shape. The first part of our beginnings, we all share in common. But the next part of our beginnings, uh, we, we have different, different shapes to this sort of thing. Other, for example, we were 
We were all born in different places, different cities, different towns, sometimes different countries, very different background in that respect, different parents or maybe no parents, maybe adopted. And so that is one too that we don't maybe didn't know our original birth parents and we were adopted. So even that is something that shifts in our origins when we think of how we came up or maybe what we went through, the things that shaped us along the way. Uh, maybe a different amount of siblings, maybe you were only child or you're one of six or seven or eight where you had to find your place in the matrix of all these other uh, kids. These things shape us. They tend to have a, 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 an influence on our lives. And and some of us, we've had different exposures to faith, different exposures, a little bit of faith, no faith at all, a, a totally secular house, a, an atheistic background, or, or some other religion or a cult, or it could be anything. So we're all over the place. We're all different in this respect of what we've been through and what our backgrounds are. Um, and then the next part, the next part has a little bit uh, a more uh, intense effect as we go through the story. The beginnings, the earliest part, we share everything the same. And the next part, different families, backgrounds, where we were born, and, and siblings, and things like that. But, but then here, we have this next part, and that is all of the, the ups and downs that we personally went through in life. Now, this can have a glaring effect on shaping us. This has a glaring effect on our story. This has a glaring effect on what we believe, how we see the world, what our trajectory or our aim in his life, because we've been through a lot of different things. And some of these things, some of these things you may want to highlight in your story. If you were to write down your story, you would say, okay, in the beginning, and you put your name down, and as much as you remember or what your parents told you, include what God said about you. And as you're going along in the story, how many siblings, where you were born, what city, and exposures to faith, whatever that might be, or lack thereof, then you get to this part where you've had these, these ups and downs in your life. And there's all kinds of varieties of, of ups and downs we might have been through. But some of these things you may want to highlight in your story. And some of these things you may not want to highlight in your story. And I want to talk to you about some of those things, specifically some of the things you don't want to highlight in your story. Uh, some of the things you don't want to highlight in your story are still part of your story. A lot of times we don't want to talk about those. We might not want to come to terms with any of those. We don't see the benefit of any of those. But I want to encourage you that God wants to do something greater, not just with our strengths, but with our weaknesses. Do you know that? God says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, who went on to be a profound minister and live in his life to the fullest, said, I have learned to boast in my weaknesses. Most people do not want to boast in their weaknesses. If you look at social media, no one puts a weakness forward, right? No one's got a weakness forward. The best meal of the week, there it is. There's this epic meal. The coolest moment of the week, all the best things forward, of course. That's the best foot forward. No one wants to think about their weaknesses, talk about their weaknesses, or... Um, boast in their weaknesses, but there's a profound secret in it, and I would suggest it's part of your story. And if you would let God do something with your weaknesses and my weaknesses in the past and our failures and the things we've been through, God is going to use you in so much greater ways. And so this is really important. And of course, whenever we talk about a topic about our past and our ups and downs, 
And some of the things we've been through, there's this glaring question that many of us share. Why did God allow that stuff to happen in the first place, right? Can I get a witness? Why, why did it happen in the first place? Why did that have to happen? And why did that have to happen? It is a golden question. It is a question that everybody has. And the best answer I have for you is this side of heaven, we won't fully know the answer why. But you can't stop walking because you have a question. We walk in faith even though we have the question, amen? So this side of heaven, we don't have the answer. However, we need to know, Bible says, when we look at origins and God and how he records history for us, that the world that we live in is in a fallen state. It's in a fallen state. The world is not in a redeemed state. It's in a fallen state. And broken people do broken things. And the devil is the author of evil. Did you know that? The devil is the author of evil. So he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour who he may. And he tempts people all the time. And some people agree with his temptation. And some people partner with him in the temptation. And some people turn around and do evil. And we're saying, why is God allowing it? And I think the reason we say that is because honestly, we want heaven. We want heaven on earth and we don't want any evil in the world. But this is not heaven. We are on this side of heaven and the world is still in a fallen state. So why does this stuff happen? Because the devil has still got a window of time, and he tries to use it as strategically as he can. And all I can say is that when you're in the faith, uh, there are some protections on our life, but there's still some things. You look at the early church, you look at some of the things they went through, and this side of heaven, we won't get heaven. We want heaven, but we don't get heaven on earth. We get tastes of heaven. We get flavors of heaven. We get the fragrance of heaven. We get to see the hand of God in places. We get to see the blessings of God in places. We get to see the provision of God in places. We get to see glimpses of heaven on earth, but this is in heaven. This is the earth in the fallen state. And because of it, we still have to grapple with, with evil and the things around us. But when you have a question of why, don't stop walking. Amen? You keep walking because some people do. And this is problematic in your story and mine. Because if there's things that happen and we stop walking because of the why, we don't move forward in it at all. And we're going to build on that theme in a minute. Um, but in your story, there's some of the things that you want to maybe ignore. There's some of the things that you aren't really happy to talk about and that you wouldn't want to highlight them in your story. But I want to encourage you, God has a much greater purpose for even those things, for those things. And so uh, if you're a note taker today, here's our second point today regarding your story, if you want God to powerfully use your story, which I believe God wants to use your story, he's the beginning of your story, um, it, the second point is to fully come to terms with your past, fully come to terms with your past, and that's something that not everybody wants to do. Uh, maybe your past is great, you have no issues, and you're like, hey, I'm fine with that, and some of you might go, yeah, there's some seasons in there I don't want to talk about, there's some seasons I haven't told anybody about, there's some seasons I don't want to bring to light. There's some seasons I'm not proud of, I don't like, or whatever it is, and so we don't want to, but fully come to terms with your full past. I think you're going to see, the more you do that, the more you're going to see God's redemptive power in your life when you fully come to terms with these things. Here's a scripture that I love. I, early on, I memorized this scripture, one of my first scriptures, because it really spoke to me. See, I had a past where I had some dark moments in my past, and I couldn't put a finger on why things happened, and how things happened, and uh, 
when you come across a passage like this, it's golden. It helps remind me of our humanity and where we're at and what we go through and where we're from and where we're going. It really helps me get it a little bit better. It helps me walk in a greater conviction. And that's Isaiah 51 uh, that says this in the New American Standard. It says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, which I believe is everyone here. We're pursuing God. We want his ways. Listen to me, all you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. One translation says, forget not the quarry from which you were dug and the rock from which you were hewn. The King James says, talks about the hole in the ground that we got pulled out of, that God pulled us out of. It's talking about humanity and our sinful nature and the stuff we've been through and the world we've been through and the stuff that we outside of God's righteousness, outside of his provision for us, we all come from the bottom of something. And you might say, well, mine wasn't as bad as yours, or yours was worse than mine, or mine was worse. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. We all come from a place, come from a place where we were at the bottom of a rock quarry. And God has pulled us out of a rock quarry, and he's chiseling us away and refining us. He is taking coal and turning it into a diamond. He's refining us. He's conforming us into his image. But forget not the quarry from which you were dug. And the God is saying, don't forget where you come from. He's saying, don't forget what you've been through. He's saying, don't forget what it takes to be where I'm taking you. Don't forget these things. A lot of times we want to forget these things. God's saying, don't. There's a purpose in this. Don't ignore them. That's why we want to fully come to terms with our, with our purpose. I remember when uh, Lauren Hill, um, singer, artist, received, I think, seven Grammys one year. Seven Grammys. She got up there in front of the whole world. She broke out her little pocket, little, uh, little mini Bible. And she said, the Lord has taken me and put my feet upon the rock. And she's talking about the quarry from which she was dug and the rock from which she was hewn. And he's, she's, he's taken me from this mire, from this clay pit somewhere, and, he, and she was testifying to the whole world. I thought it was absolutely beautiful uh, on, to, to get uh, your seventh Grammy and, and giving God the glory, acknowledging, hey, I'm from the bottom of a pit like everybody else, but I just want to testify on his goodness because he's the one who took me from my mire and put me here in the first place. I think that's profound uh, when we do that. So fully come to terms with your past. Here's another scripture. Deuteronomy 16.12 builds on this theme about remembering where you come from, coming to terms with your story fully. It says, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. He's telling Israel, do you remember where you've been? You're not there anymore, are you? But you were there. He's saying, don't forget you came from a place and I pulled you out of it. You know, and it's not like God has them there, like I'm sending you, I'm going to tell these people to be evil to you. It's like these people are being evil to the Israelites, and God says, I am breaking you out. I am bre you were made for better things, and I hear your prayer, and I am breaking you out of that, and I'm bringing you to a land of promise. But don't forget, watch yourself that you don't forget where you came from and what I pulled you out of. This theme is important in the Bible. So I would say our third point this morning regarding your story, specifically how your story fits into God's story, which is really the ultimate story. Uh, the third point is include everything that shaped you. 
When you think of your story and you want to start quantifying your whole life really, I think, through the lens of God and how is he going to use you, is include everything that shaped you. There's been all sorts of stuff in our life that shaped us, not just where we're from on our parents and our background and our city, but the stuff we've been through. The stuff we've been through shapes us. It shapes us. Um, you know, great example is Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. Uh, you know, let me just talk to you about shaping. Um, there was a time in my life when I was very young. I was very young, and I didn't want to live anymore. I don't know if anybody else ever had that feeling. Has anybody had that feeling? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's a dark time. It's a dark season. I was very young. Somebody that young shouldn't think that way, shouldn't feel that way, but I did. I saw no hope. And I came really, really, really close to ending everything. And I don't normally talk about that, but I'm talking about one of the darkest times in my life. But I will tell you, it's times like that that helped shape me, that have me here today to testify to you. Do you know that? Because God is the living God, and he's the giver of life. And the devil is the deceiver. And I was very deceived. I was believing a lie, and I was right at the edge. I was right at the edge of a place of no return. And I am telling you, now when I hear that, I, I, I love the opportunity to go speak life to people because I get it. And when you've walked in someone's shoes, you get it. And that's why God will use your story in profound ways if you let him for all kinds of other folks who are right on the edge. I don't care if it's with addiction. I don't care if it's with levels of immorality. I don't care if it's illegal. It doesn't matter what it is. All kinds of people that are all over the place, you can walk right up to the edge and say, hey, brother, I get you. I get you. Come on, I get you. Come, I totally know where you're at. Uh, ladies, girlfriend, come here. I see you. I get you. God sees you. Come on. There's no future in that. It's this. Does that make sense? When you've been through stuff, it's part of your story. The devil would love for you to keep it under a rock. The devil would love for you to forget, forget the quarry from which you were dug. He would love for you to forget the rock from which you were hewn. He would love for you to leave it out and not remember that you were delivered from a house of slavery. He would love for you to keep it out of your story and not use it to help other folks along. Got to remember Peter. When Peter messed up, bad. Jesus says, look, Peter, I'm praying for you. The enemy, the devil's trying to take you out, Peter. This is not God's will to take Peter out. The devil, he said, is trying to take you out, but I am praying for you. And when you've returned from this mess, from this trial, from this thing you're going through, I want you to do one thing with the experience. What good was all of this anyway? Jesus is like, this is what I want you to do with it. I want you to take it, and I want you to go back and strengthen your brothers. That's what you do with it. Ladies, you take all that mess and you go back and you strengthen your sisters. Does that make sense? This is what we do with our stories. We don't do nothing or not talk about the dark seasons or we leave them out. No, we go back and we leverage it and we help other people. And that's so powerfully important. And this is how God's, this is where your story starts fitting into God's story and starts taking on a whole nother level if we'll cooperate with this kind of stuff. So include everything that shaped you. And a great example of this is Genesis chapter 37, Joseph. Joseph, like if anybody's got excuses, and I think a lot of us make excuses, um, or we come up with reasons that sound very valid, like, well, you don't know what I've been through. And uh, I get it, I get it. This is a natural way to think. A natural way to think is I've been through this, so therefore I'm this, and this is my uh, diagnosis, and this is where I am, and that's why I will never do A, B, and C, because we just connect the dots in the natural and we leave out the, but God. We leave out, but God. 
And there's all kinds of story of folks in the Bible who, who, who go through all kinds of messes but God, and they include but God in their story, and they don't stay in their mire. You know what I'm talking about? You can stay in the mire, or you can let God take you out of the mire, but some stay in it and will justify and make rational reasons of why they are in mire and always will be in mire, and it's just a fact of life, and that's not including God in the story at all, because in God's story, we see He is the king of redemption. He's redeeming folks all the time. He's redeeming stories all the time. And Joseph, Joseph in chapter 37, born with all kinds of God-given gifts. He's born with gifts. He wanted to use them in a great way. The big problem is he's born in a very, very, very dysfunctional family. And he is surrounded by a whole lot of stepbrothers who hate him. They despise him. They are jealous of him. They don't like him. And they want to cause him harm. And so what they were going to do is literally feed him to lions, throw him to lions alive. Is that, I don't, I, some of us in here might have had some level of dysfunction in your family. If you're with a family member, you don't have to raise your hand today. Um, but anybody going to get a witness? Okay, levels of dysfunction. None of us were with the level of dysfunction where someone tried to throw you to lions. Okay? Joseph comes from a place where his brothers want to throw him to lions. And one brother's like, look, can we just level up just a little bit? Instead of throwing them to the lions, can we just sell them to these slave traders? Sell Joseph to these slave traders. They'll take him far away. Well, they'll, you know, they'll make him work the rest of his life. We'll never see him again. Can we at least do that instead of, and they're like, okay. And so they do this. Talk about dysfunctional. He is raised, and they sell him off into slavery. And through all that mess, through all that mess that he went through, he is down there and he's working. And then he gets locked up and he's in prison and he gets forgotten about in a jail cell. And you're like, what is up with that dysfunctional family? Brothers hate him. Instead of getting fed to the lions, you're in slavery. And instead of working a regular job in your slavery, now you're thrown into jail. It can't get any lower than that. And God took it and turned it around and used it for the good. And this is the difference of how you and I perceive our stories, how you and I perceive the mire that we came out of, how you and I perceive uh, the dysfunction we went through, how you and I perceive the ups and downs. Will they permanently shape us in a permanent way or will we use that as a platform for what God's about to do? It's a profound difference on how you process things. And, and this is what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20. I love it. He says to his brothers when he finally came around one day and he met him face to face, and he's like, do you know who I am? And they're like, no, who are you? He's like, I'm the one you threw in the pit. And, so, and they're like, oh, snap. They fell on their knees. They're like, like covering their head, about to get their head taken off. They believe. I mean, rightfully so, they deserve it. And this is what he said. This is the evolution of his heart, the evolution of his mind, his experiences with God, the evolution of God growing, not evolution in a naturalistic evolution and God changing, morphing, renewing his mind and the way he thinks and what he's been through and his transformation process. He says this, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring, out, bring about this present result. There were things in your life also that were meant for harm. There were things, not by God, by the devil, who's the author of evil by using people dumb enough to listen to him, just like in Joseph's story. Same thing. Could be a dysfunctional family, could be siblings, could have been some stranger, could have been anybody. But the devil goes around like a roaring lion. He's the author of evil, using people, and the devil means it for harm. Make no mistake. There's no neutrality with the devil. It's not like, well, I'll just kind of be here in the middle. It's like, Jesus is like, you're for me or you're against me. 
The devil's trying to take people out. If anything, you need to come on God's side and come under his protection. But there's a lot of folks, you go through stuff and you don't know where it came from. You don't know the author of it. And he's saying this, I know the author. It was evil. I know where evil comes from. He's saying evil was meant against me, but God turned around and used it for my good, which he's revealing the very nature of God. And listen, he's revealing what God can do even with evil that happened. This is so important. If you don't come to terms with evil in your life and the dark stories and the parts you don't want to talk about, you'll never fully appreciate how God will turn around and use them for the good. You won't, and you'll leave that out of your story, and you're leaving one of the most glaring truths and powerful moments ever in your life. What the enemy meant for harm, God will use for good. And guess what? God did use it for the good. He ends up becoming the prime minister of Egypt and basically providing food for all of Israel who comes down to get food because he happens to be in charge. God promoted him because he didn't manifest in this evil. The evil he went through, he didn't go, this is lame, dysfunctional family, everything's bad, and they try to kill me, and you know, this is just the way I am. He didn't do that. He said, but God, but God, I am wonderfully and fearfully made, and I don't understand why all this evil is going on against me. Yes, I don't deserve it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't sow into it. I don't know, but I'm going through it, but I'm not going to just curse God and be angry. I am going to say, God made me for better things. God, whatever you're going to do, I don't know how you're going to use it for good, but I trust you are, even though I don't understand it, and I'm still in jail, as he would say in Joseph. I trust you're going to use it for good. Guess what? He glorifies God in jail. He's in jail, locked up for something he didn't do, and he's still glorifying God all the way through, praying for people, prophesying to people, living for the glory of God, and even the people that he prophesied and prayed with were supposed to get him out. They forgot about him too. So even for doing good, it didn't seem like he was rewarded. You would be in a pretty broken place, you and I would, but not Joseph, because he's like, I know something here. What the enemy means for harm, God will use for good. That's our fourth point this morning. You might want to write that down. Always remember, always remember. What the enemy meant for harm, God will use for my good. And that's the parts of your story you might not want to include. That's the parts of your story you might want to ignore. That's the parts of your story that you can actually give life with. Like Peter, when you've been through that mess, you go back and strengthen your brothers. There's people who need what you have. They need what you have because God brought you through stuff. He brought you out of Egypt. He's crossed you over the Jordan. He's bringing you into a new land. No, we're not in heaven yet, but he's brought you through stuff. And with those stories, you help people out. That's what ministry is all about. We are ministers of this gospel of reconciliation, and we use these stories to help a lot of stuck people. There's a lot of stuck people, and they, they need your story, and they need the missing part of your story, and the part of your story you might not like. And here's the problem. If we forget this, if we forget this, and we don't want to do this, we all tend to slip back into a victim mentality, a victim mentality instead of a victorious mentality. I met a guy the other day, and I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, you know, and he's, he's going on, you know, just going on about everything of why he is who he is and where he is. And that's it, period, end of story. He had no margin for God, no margin for anything, no margin for a hope and a future. And after talking to this guy, I went home and I felt the Lord say, you call him up and you go back and have coffee with this dude. And this guy seems about as hopeless as you can get. Because if you heard what I heard, you'd be like, that dude chose his course. Have you ever talked to somebody and it's like they already chose their course, right? I mean, like for sure they chose it. And I think he chose his course. And I I'm like, wow, that's a bummer. Um, and, and so I felt the Lord said, you, go, you call that guy. You go back to him 
and you have a burger with him or a coffee, you sit down with this guy who's hopeless and has every excuse in the world, and you testify and you share the story of how God takes you from the mire and puts your feet upon the rock. Because I don't think this guy's ever heard that kind of story. And there's people who need to hear that kind of story. If not, we will be stuck in a victim mentality and we will never be victorious in our mentality, uh, which God calls us to. And the Bible is, guys, it's full of these kinds of stories. Full of these redemption stories. Bible's full of people just like you and me who have gone through some stuff who could have just stayed where they're at and, and, and had a rational, uh, a rational excuse or reason for why they are who they are because of what they've been through. I get it. But there's so many in the Bible that would say, but God. And then God begins to do a new and a profound thing And what, uh, after they went through. Like Moses, check this out. Moses, you think of how you came up and what you went through. Moses was put in a basket and sent down the Nile. You heard of being down the creek without a paddle? Could you imagine your parents sticking you in a basket and sending you down the Nile where there's alligators? We didn't have that kind of start, did we? If anybody could have grown up with abandonment issues, honestly, legitimately, they would be at a 12-step meeting and go, well, I got abandonment issues and here's why. And everyone was like, dude, you do got abandonment issues. You're right, you deserve to have because look how... We'd all be messed up. We would all be messed up if we got sent down a river by our parents in a, in a little, little mini canoe, right? Little mini thing without a paddle as a, bit, as a little infant. We would all have abandonment issues. But God, you don't hear anything in Moses' life reflecting, well, you don't know what I've been through and what I've been, and because of that, I'm stuck. You don't hear that anymore because God intervened and God makes things new. We're going to talk about that more next week. God renews things. He's in the redemption business. Noah, Noah preached for 120 years, 120 years. You know how many people came to faith? Eight. If you were preaching every day, every day, and it takes 15 years to reach one person, that's the average. I don't know about you, I would feel like an epic failure. Every day for 15 years and one person for 15 years, that's, that's, that's pathetic. I mean, I'd want to quit a long time ago. And you know what's even more sad than that? After all these 120 years and, and the eight people that came to faith, guess what? Not a single one was a neighbor or a person in the neighborhood. It was just his family. <laughs> Only eight. Only eight. He's trying. God's got a way. It's better than this. Go this way. And they're like, yeah, forget it. Only eight. You would feel like you fail. I would feel like I would have some serious failure issues if that were my past. But you don't hear Noah talking that way. He said, well, but God. And did this. Now, Peter, he said to Jesus, Jesus, if they're going to come to you, they got to go through me first. They're not touching you, Jesus. Peter's like this big dude leader, kind of puts his foot in his mouth sometimes. He's like, they're not touching you, Jesus. He's the one when they came to get him, pulls out his sword and takes somebody's ear off. He's like this like Viking kind of dude. It's like, yeah, they aren't touching you, Jesus. He does that one second and that very night is telling people, I swear I don't know him. I've never seen him in my life. I don't even know who you're talking about. Now, if that was you, or if that was me, we would have some issues of shame, wouldn't we? How about some shame? Justifiably, shame and guilt and condemnation. We would all feel that way, and we would justify why, and I get it. I, these feelings are very real. But Peter doesn't stay in that place because Jesus comes to him, and Jesus says, look, I don't see you that way, Peter. I'm in the restoration business, and I'm restoring you. And that's the whole part about Jesus. When Jesus enters your life, 
There's a life outside of Christ, and there's a life in Christ. And when Jesus enters your story, he starts to redeem everything he touches. Uh, He redeems us from our sin and gives us a place in heaven, puts the spirit in us. But the areas in our life and the stories and what we went through, if we let Jesus into these areas, Jesus will redeem these things, just like Jesus did with Peter, who went from a place of defending Jesus to swearing he never even knew Jesus. Peter's stuck in all this shame. Jesus comes, redeems him in this area, restores him. And then Peter goes around and starts writing books like 1 Peter. And you know what he says? Hey, guys, if you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. Why? I'm going to tell you about my weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness. I was the guy who thought I was standing strong, and I fell right on my rear. Okay, the enemy took me out. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. You see how he's using his failure? He also says things like, beware, guys, because the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour who he may. Just about took me out. Walking with Jesus three years, devil almost took me out. He's boasting in weaknesses. He's letting us know. He's ministering to us through the failures. There is such power in that. So no matter what your story was, God is in the reinstatement business. No matter what your story was, no matter where you came from, no matter what you went through, God is in the reinstatement business, and it's absolutely beautiful. In fact, this would be uh, good if the worship team comes up. But, but guys, here's the thing. Here's a take-home today. Do not let your past interfere with your future. Don't let your past interfere with your future. We've got past, some parts we don't like, some parts we don't want to think about or we're not happy with, but listen, don't let it interfere with your future. Your past is a rudder to guide you. It's not an anchor to drag you. It's a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. Uh, that's so important. Without Christ, our past can actually paralyze us. It can. And there are many walking around in levels of paralysis today because of their past. I get it. Painful things hurt, and we don't have categories for them. And they weigh us down. And with all the weight and all the pain and all the stuff, yes, the stuff is overwhelming, and people are stuck. I get it. I understand why. But let me tell you, in Christ, instead of paralyzing us, these things can actually propel us. And the Bible is full of stories who their past propelled them. Moses didn't get stuck and paralyzed because he was abandoned and sent down a river. It propelled him. Joseph didn't get stuck because his brothers threw him in a ditch and sold him as a slave. It propelled him. You know, and everybody in the Bible who's got these stories, Peter, who denied Jesus, didn't let it stop him. It propelled him. And those are the parts of our story we need to come to terms with and say, God, what do you want to do with these? The last point this morning is this, guys. This is really the take home. God wants to leverage your past to empower your story for his glory. He wants to leverage your past. Use it. He wants it brought out and applied. He wants to leverage your past to empower your story for his glory. Your story has a lot more power with some of those missing parts, the parts that you wouldn't want to talk about, the ones you wouldn't want to post on social media, Facebook, Instagram, you wouldn't want to post them. But there's people around you you need to minister to, and you need to include that in part of your story because he will, he will leverage your past. He will empower your story, and it will be for his glory. There will be people around you waking up, waking up to spiritual truths, God's calling, because you being real with them and sharing your story, being real. We're going to build on this next week as we move from our past story to our present right now story. 
And then we're going to look at through the lens of our future story and how that affects our present story. And so the series is going to be good. I encourage you guys uh, to not miss it. But you got to remember, there is no sin, uh, there is no action, and there is no choice that is too big for God to redeem. Nothing is too big for God to redeem, including stuff we've been through. And your story is a redemption story. And God loves redemption stories. Everybody loves redemption stories. And that's why you need to come to terms with your full redemption story. And when you come to terms with your full redemption story, God will give you opportunities to use your redemption story and you get to partner with God in seeing we get to plunder hell to populate heaven because there's a lot of stuck and paralyzed people and their key to freedom, their key to freedom is knowing that there's a God who can take that and turn it into that. He can take us from a miry pit and he can actually put our feet upon a rock that even though we went through all kinds of stuff, but God, and now some of you guys, you might say, hey, listen, I didn't really go through a lot of stuff. Let me just tell you one thing you need to hold on to. You look at what the friends and the people you know and what they went through, and you look at what God preserved you from. And if God preserved you, that's part of your story. People all around me were falling in the mud. People all around me were falling off the cliff, but God, but God preserved me somehow, some way from all this chaos around me. That's part of your story is the preservation of the living God, which is a profound part of your redemption story as well. Let me close in prayer right now. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up and pray for you for any need or burden or request you might have today. But I wanna start um, with, with King Jesus and ask if you have not had a day in history where you've said, you know what? I believe in God and stuff, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting off the throne of your life and putting Jesus to be the king, to be the less what the Lord means, to be the king, uh, then I want to give that opportunity today for anybody uh, who needs to do that today. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads, please. Uh, mighty God, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We just pray this morning, God, uh, before we talk about our past story, God, we've all been through places. We've all been through things. But there's life outside of Christ and there's life in Christ. And outside of Christ, we get stuck in our paralysis. We get stuck in our pain and the weight of it. And we come to you and you said, come to me, all of you who are weary, who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am humble and gentle and you will find rest for your soul. Lord, you come to us and you see what we're carrying and you, you, you offer this great exchange. You take all of our weight and truckloads of pain and sin away and you give us a gentle yoke where we begin to walk with you. I just want to pray this morning, God, if anybody has not done that, and today is the day, um, the Lordship of Jesus is calling you. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, for all of us here today, that you would take our stories, that you would help us quantify the fullness of our stories, and that you would show us how we can take these stories with your power and your grace fully come to terms with them, including our weaknesses. And we can go back and share with our brothers and sisters and lead them into your love, and lead them into your grace, and lead them into your goodness, that they too can go back and share their stories with others and lead them into your goodness. We thank you, we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name, God's people said. Amen, amen, guys. Hey, so our prayer team's coming up. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.